Welcome to Come Follow Me Mental Health Insights with Dr. David Morgan. Each week we'll review a concept from the Come Follow Me lesson and talk about applications to improve our mental and emotional health. Hi, welcome to episode 29. This week we are studying 2 Kings chapters 17 through 25. And there's a lot of back and forth in these chapters with righteous and wicked kings. Um, but the whole thing begins with the Assyrian conquest of the northern kingdom of Israel. And so just a little bit of history here. Remember that Israel was in bondage for generations to the Egyptians. And in a way, during that time, they had forgotten who they were. They were, they were the chosen people of God, had always been, but they had relegated themselves to the lives of slaves. Well, Moses changed all that. He delivered them reestablished their position as God's people, and he led them back to the land of their inheritance in Canaan. Uh, back in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, this is what the Lord told Israel. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye, shall, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all my people, above all people, for the, all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And this is the Lord's way of kind of identifying Israel and setting them apart, saying, your identity to me is going to be my, you're going to be my people if you keep my commandments. Um, but through their transgression, they kind of forgot that. They, they started worshiping false gods and eventually pretty much forgot who they were. So starting out in Second Kings chapter 17, the Assyrians invade and scatter the northern tribes. Uh, Jerusalem, which is in the southern kingdom, is preserved, but the people are really struggling to keep the commandments down there. And most of them have turned to the worship of, of pagan gods. You'll remember that they have started kind of mixing in with people that were not of their faith. And the greatest challenge that that posed was that it led Israel away from the, the law of Moses that they were supposed to be keeping, and they started uh, worshiping these pagan gods. In 2 Kings chapter 18, we you get a new king. This is Hezekiah, king of Judah, and he is righteous. He eliminates the worship of pagan gods. He actually destroys the brass serpent that Moses had created because the people had turned it into a, a pagan um, worship piece. They were burning incense to it. And so he said, you know what? We're just going to clean the slate. We're getting rid of everything that is pagan. And he does that. He is successful. But his example only lasted as long as he lived. Uh, when he died, his son Manasseh becomes king of Judah. And Manasseh is very wicked and goes right back to the worship of pagan gods, uh, even to the point where he sacrificed one of his sons to such a god, which is a terrible thing to think of. Uh, Manasseh eventually dies. His son Ammon reigns, but Ammon is wicked as well and continues with this, this pagan god worship. Once Ammon dies... Josiah becomes king. He's only eight years old when his father dies, and he is anointed king at that time. And for whatever reason, uh, Josiah does not follow in the footsteps of his father or his grandfather, but he reverts back to the patterns of his great-grandfather, Hezekiah, and he reigns in righteousness. And one of the first things that Josiah decides to do is to have the have the workers clean up the Temple of Solomon. So this is in Jerusalem. The temple had become defiled and had fallen into disrepair. Uh, prior wicked kings had actually um, taken some of these um, pagan worship things, uh, effigies to Baal and other gods, and put them in the Temple of Solomon. And Josiah decides that this is not going to be anymore. 
the temple needs to be cleaned up. But while the temple is being restored, they discover a book in there that they call the Book of the Law. Now, scholars believe that this was either the original book of Deuteronomy or perhaps a rewriting of this book. At any rate, um, the book contained the details of the Law of Moses, which had long been abandoned by the pagan Israelites. You remember that Deuteronomy mean, literally means a second telling, and it was just kind of a reiteration of the law. It's the fourth book of Moses. So Josiah rediscovering the identity of Israel as the chosen people, he finds the law and he says, hey, we need to, this is what we, this is who we are. This is what we need to be doing. So he decides to try to reinstitute the law as given to Moses. And he specifically commands the people to start to observe the Passover again. Remember the Passover was the, um, the ritual which reminded them of when the destroying angel came. It was the last plague in Egypt and it destroyed all the firstborns. But those who um, observed the counsel of Moses, their firstborns were not killed. And Passover is just this uh, incredible opportunity for them to remember their heritage, remember who they are and the great things the Lord has done for them. So reinstituting the Passover was uh, amazing by Josiah. Unfortunately, Josiah is killed uh, as Egypt invades and his posterity all reign in wickedness. I think he has about three more sons that are kings and they are just wicked and, and one more after the other. Eventually, Jerusalem is invaded by the Babylonians. The Jews are taken into captivity and the temple is ransacked. Um, and so in reviewing this, um, the reading for this week, I found just a major theme of identity. And you've heard me comment on it several times already throughout these stories, um, either forgetting one's true identity, which has led to trouble, or remembering one's true identity, which led to success. Now, as I've worked with people with mental health issues, I've discovered a theme among those with chronic problems. And very often, these individuals seem to adopt their mental health problems as a core part of their identity. Um, they view their mental health issues as unchanging and fixed. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, this is just the way I am. I've always been this way. I can't change. They'll reference heritage. They'll reference genetics or biology. And they'll say, I just can't do anything about this. Sometimes these feelings come from unsuccessful efforts to change and people have tried to change and they're not able to manage their mental health issues and they can lead to feelings of hopelessness. And this is a bad place to be in. And the, what's worst about it is it's just not true. We are not defined by our mental health issues. Um, now, I agree that some people appear to be more disposed to mental health issues than others for any number of reasons. That's absolutely true. But defining ourselves at our core as kind of mentally broken does not serve us at all. Elder Clark Gilbert said the following in the October 2021 General Conference. He said, let me start by addressing individuals with difficult circum starting circumstances, including poverty, limited access to education, and challenging family situations. Others face physical challenges, mental health constraints, or strong genetic predispositions. For any struggling with difficult starting points, please recognize that the Savior knows our struggles. He took upon him our infirmities that his bowels might be filled with mercy, that he might know how to succor us according to our infirmities. Let me share two areas of encouragement, he continues, for those facing difficult starting circumstances. First, focus on where you are headed and not where you began. It would be wrong to ignore your circumstances. They are real and need to be addressed. 
but over-focusing on a difficult starting point can, can cause it to define you and even constrain your ability to choose. It's excellent and good insight. The idea of our ability to choose being constrained by an overfocus on our liabilities is true, and I have seen it play out many times. We need to strive to avoid identifying ourselves by our mental health issues. And for sure, they're a part of our overall definition. I'm not saying to ignore them, but they're simply one piece of colored glass in this giant mosaic that makes up who you are. And if you ignore the other color pieces that make up who you are, you're giving too much emphasis to that one piece and it can distort the picture. Uh, it would be like looking at a painting, at a large painting, but putting your eye right up against the canvas. All you would see is a discolored blotch. It wouldn't look like anything. And you wouldn't be able to see what the artist intended unless you moved back to a distance to you, how you could see how all the paint strokes come together to make a full picture. Um, in order to navigate today's challenges, President Nelson has recommended developing a deeper understanding of our identity and purpose. This is absolutely true counsel that will work if we do it. So for this week's invitation, uh, first, just a general reminder about the weekly invitations. Please don't feel overwhelmed by them. Don't try to do all of them. Just find what works for you. Make it a matter of prayer and um, thoughtful consideration about what you need to do in your life. Um, so here's this week's invitation. I want you to do an exercise about your identity to help you see beyond any mental health issues you have. So I want you to write down 10 descriptors that uh, delineate your identity. Like I might write such things as uh, father, Latter-day Saint, author, and so on. I do not want you to put down anything in those 10 things related to your mental health challenges. So the goal of this is to help you step back and take a wider view of the mosaic that forms your identity. If you can write more than 10 without getting into the mental health stuff, then just keep going. As many descriptors as you can think of of yourself that do not involve any sort of mental health liabilities. So that's the invitation for this week. I also have free worksheets that you can download to help you remember and implement this week's and former week's invitations. To find out how to get these, please sign up for my email newsletter, and you can find the link for that in the show notes. Also, please subscribe so you can easily access new podcast episodes each week and share this podcast with others if you find it helpful. I also have a free anxiety management mini course I've developed and would love to give you a copy. In it, you'll learn tried and true methods to decrease fear and increase peace. Go to the show notes and click on the link for more information. Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Dr. David Morgan reminding you that change is possible, but change requires action and to always keep moving forward. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more, please visit Dr. Morgan's website at www.drdavidtmorgan.com.